You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Hey there, here's a quick note. This podcast contains general financial advice only. That means it's not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So don't act on the information until you've spoken with your financial advisor. You'll find our full disclosure, disclaimer, and link to our financial services guide in the show notes. Patty, welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. Thanks, Kate. I'm excited to be here this morning or today. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since we've done a listener story episode, so I'm really excited to chat to you a little bit more, to share some of your journey, because I think you've got a lot of um, things to share and you've learned many lessons, um, money and life related along the way that uh, hopefully like some people in our audience will either um, get something from or learn a few bits, um, tips and tricks from you, um, from the things you've experienced. So and maybe just to kick things off, you able to tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'm Patty. I am 35. I currently live in Vegas. I'm, I came to Australia as an international student about 15 years ago. I'm a mum and I work in tech. Wow. Very exciting. And I'm looking forward to sharing a little bit more about your journey. And I think maybe just to kick things off, like how is that journey coming to Australia as an international student? Because I know we've spoken to an international student for our listener story before, and it seemed like it was a very challenging transition. Yeah, it was. Um, I came here uh, probably early 2000s um, and I came over uh, to do a Bachelor of Commerce in Finance. Um, coming from Papua New Guinea, it was a bit of a struggle, um, if I'm honest, because of, um, you know, not having family in Australia, having to kind of stand on my own two feet, um, and then also the weight of the loan that my parents um, uh, decided to uh, get to support me um, in Australia. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's uh, the whole experience was immense (laughs) and I guess it's kind of led me into that frugal lifestyle um, which goes goes hand in hand with this whole fire um, journey that I'm on. Yeah, and I know when you mentioned the size of the loan, it was quite <laughs> quite significant. And I mean, most of us have had not had to experience paying off that kind of 
debt or we've had the opportunity to use HEX um, in Australia. And so um, how did you go about sort of even coming to terms with the the loan and like what steps did you go into sort of paying it back? Yeah, so it was about um, 150K and the steps, I guess, well, like to be honest, I I was 18 and I was so scared. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of debt at 18. And I just kind of went into this dark hole for a little bit and thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this? Um, But I quickly came to terms and I saw um, the possibilities of living in Australia and, um, you know, seeking casual jobs. So I had about um, two or three casual jobs, waitressing, working at a bar, also dog walking. Um, And, you know, they don't sound like lucrative jobs, but when you are working at them at, you know, whatever hours you can possibly get in between classes, you can, you know, quickly save up. Um, So I did, uh, I guess my first thing was getting several jobs. So increasing my income streams and then um, just trying to limit um, expenses. So that would be the second thing that I looked at was like, you know, living closer to campus or jobs or living in shared accommodation. So at one point I was living with about eight people. <laughs> like you just can't. Wow. <laughs> you just what, really... Multiple people in one bedroom? No. So it was a four bedroom house. Okay. Um, so like couples plus, you know, sharing with a friend, like having your own bed, like single beds in a room and like a master mm. room. Um, because this is what you got to do, right? You got to hustle yeah. when you're in uni. <laughs> and so I did that and I kept my costs really low by like sharing meals with a friend. So we'd like cook together and cook big meals. And then I lived on like two minute noodles and rode my bike everywhere. So yeah, just two main things was just increasing my income stream and then trying to limit my expenses and my outgoings. Yeah. And this was all why you were still at uni and studying. Yeah, so still at uni and then when I finished, my so my course was about four years and so when I finished, I uh, that then accelerated my savings to pay off the loan. Um, my parents took out the loan, so they it was in their name, but I felt um, like uh, not the obligation but the responsibility to, you know, really give back to them and ensure that I wasn't being a burden on them, uh, which is one of the one of the biggest drivers for me. Because mm, I can imagine there's a lot of uh, emotional sort of things tied up in um, when the loan's taken out in someone else's name, but you're trying to pay them back as quickly as possible. Like it would have been quite challenging to balance. Like, uh, do I go out this weekend? Oh, but I've also got to pay back this debt. Like, how did you balance that? hundred percent. And like, I'm in a, like living by myself for the first time in my life in a, you know, in a, in a big city like Sydney. And I'm thinking, why am I not doing what every other 20-something does and go mm. go out on a weekend or, like, you know, enjoy my 20s or my, you know, uh, early, um, yeah, early, early 20s? Uh, it was a struggle. Uh, but I think one of the benefits of living in, like, a shared home uh, and living with other students is you learn how to um, be frugal and have fun. So there were a lot of times where we would have parties at the at the uh, at the house that we were living in, and just you know trying to make the most out of it. So we'd have theme parties, we'd have like theme cookouts, and 
because we all knew we were broke. <laughs> we were broke as students. So. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, we're going to do what we're going to do, right? Um, yeah. So that's how we tried to build that community around ourselves um, to support each other. Mm. And once you finished uni and like went on to getting your first job, like was it that point you could really ac- accelerate paying off the debt? Hundred percent. Yeah. So once I could actually have a great income uh, from a you know graduate position, I actually still kept the couple of the casual jobs like um, dog walking and working at a cafe because um, that just helped um, accumulate that process of paying off that debt and. Um, it also helped me to keep within those um, that frugal mindset of you know in- increase the um, income, but also keep limiting the expenses. Mm. Um, so I still lived at the shared accommodation. I you know with a graduate position, I could have gone out and maybe like lived with one other person instead of eight. But I was I was just like a woman on a mission. Get this loan down so I can <laughs> feel like the weight has lifted off of me. <laughs> Yeah, well, how long did it take you in the end to pay it off? Uh, almost about almost six and a half years. Yeah, yeah. So I started. That's, that's a lot of time. A lot of time. That was my early twenties, like just paying off a loan. Wow, that sounds quite challenging, and I, I imagine, like as you mentioned, many sacrifices along the way. Do you? What was the What was the feeling like when you finally made that last payment on that debt? Um. Hey, I had a party. <laughs> I literally, I said to my friends that were there through it all, I'm like, look, I have a lot of money now, but now that I don't have a debt, let's have a party. Shouts, like, oh, I'm, I'm paying for drinks. <laughs> and I know it seems a bit cheesy, but I, it was just such relief, you know, at such mm. a young age to just have that burden. Um, now, obviously, with hindsight, being in my mid-30s, I look at that moment and I think, wow, like you really did achieve something en- enormous, um, Yeah, which then kind of like shaped my whole journey with finance, I guess. Mm, because I guess just coming over at 18 and taking on such a massive debt and then spending maybe close to a decade paying it off, like that is a huge chunk of your life. Um, set on one goal so I can imagine like you would have been very elated to finally clear that off and start afresh yeah I was and you know it just for me it solidified why I wanted to stay in Australia um, and why I wanted to continue working as hard as I was because I thought well if I can do this then you know home ownership is not that far from me and you know financial independence is you know probably within you know that kind of shorter grasp um, as opposed to being something in your 60s or, you know, in your 70s, yeah. Mm. And after you finished paying off that debt and you had the party, like where did you go to from there? Was it um, were you suddenly just having disposable income for the first time in your life and actually enjoying it or did you sort of set a new goal straight away? I set a new goal straight away. I wanted to buy a property. I wanted to get into the market. Um my father was adamant uh, that, you know, with this extra income now, he's like, you shouldn't, you know, live frivolously. Like, you've got to keep going. Like, now that you have that mindset, just be persistent with that. And I thought, yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, if I can live within below my means, I can keep going with that. So I bought a property in Melbourne um, 
and I bought way below uh, my borrowing capacity because uh, I just the idea of going into debt again. I'm again, not lie, <laughs> and much me bigger out. debt this time. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt like, oh, I just took the chains off. It's gonna come back on. Okay, <laughs> like I'm not gonna lie, that was really my feeling. Um, I know it's like some people, you know, they can like be risk, um, like their risk uh, profiles change when they've experienced large debt. Um, mm. I always sat in that happy, not like, for me, it was a happy medium where I knew that I could stretch myself, but I never wanted to stretch myself too far um, because I always had them. Uh, that kind of voice behind, in my head that's like, you know, just have money enough for a rainy day, which is why I'm so big on like sinking funds or like, so, you know, ensuring you have like a healthy emergency fund. Um, so, yeah. So long story short, I bought a property and then, um, yeah, and then I decided to just be a bit risky in my career and change career paths. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah. So you I took the, to go, the risk somewhere. <laughs> yeah, somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. And so so now you've got uh, a significant debt again. Well, probably the similar size or a little bit more than you had before. A little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, uh, properties in Melbourne were affordable back then, but, um, mm. you know, obviously not compared to what you'd pay now. Um, so it was, yeah, it was quite large, but, you know, that I I had a, you know, a really great role, a really great job to service that. Yeah. So I felt quite comfortable with it. How are you, how are you dealing with the challenge of having debt again and um, paying it off? Like, uh, are you just paying um, the minimum amount each month or do you have any sort of strategies around that? Yeah. So um, I didn't realize this until I guess now being part of the fire community that um I, you know i always always live below my means so ex- any extra income that i had i would put towards my um, home loan so back then my first property i had an offset account and i put a large chunk of my well i think i put nearly all my savings into that to lower my interest rates because it was my primary um, place of residence um you know, obviously now that it's not my primary place of residence, it's an um, investment property, uh, you know, that whole um, layer is now re- uh, removed. But when I was living in the property, I would put a lot of my savings in the offset to reduce my interest repayments. Uh, and then I also put uh, extra per week. So I went from paying monthly to weekly. Mm. Uh, I just thought it worked for me because I really wanted to keep that whole... Um, weekly repayment like as if I was still uh, renting so just kept that um, whole mentality going so um, paying it weekly also reduced um, my loan uh, considerably and then having that offset so when I came to buy my second property um, last year I had um, I had equity within that uh, Melbourne property to borrow um, to purchase my second place. 
Mm-hmm. So from what I'm hearing, you kind of kept living like you were still that uni student days um, when you yes. were paying back the debt so you could keep uh, maximizing what you were doing now with the property because I know we, a lot of us get sucked into that lifestyle creep trap and um, as income increases, mm. so do our needs and desires and uh, it can become very challenging to actually get ahead if you fall into that. Oh, for sure. And like, if I'm being transparent, there was like maybe a year where that lifestyle creep did come up and I was like, you know, buying clothes and um, going to expensive dinners and lunches. And it it, it really took a toll on me because when I did my, you know, um, uh, like analysis post that six months or whatever, I thought, oh, you're an idiot. Like you spent so much money on unnecessary things. And so I kind of reeled, like reined myself back in. <laughs> mm. I think it's good sometimes to have those experiences to to know what you actually value and what you do want to spend money on. I mean, like when I got my first full-time job, I did go a bit crazy for sort of that six mm. months. And then I realized, hey, I can't even remember what I spent the money on. Like I, it didn't necessarily bring me any joy. It wasn't an experience. It was just a lot of things around the room somewhere. <laughs> Same, same. So yeah, you do go through those ebbs and flows. Like I know I did say to myself when I got that second loan that I, you know, I wanted to prioritize um, enjoying my um, early 20s or my mid 20s at that time um, with more holidays for experiences because I wanted to value more experiences than things. Mm. Um, so then that gave me a goal because I loved setting myself monthly goals. Um and I think that really stemmed back to having that large student debt where I knew that I just had to get to that next, you know, month or get to the next repayment. Um, and that internal drive is just, is, you know, very much um, instilled you know, within me and is still very much alive um, with how I kind of do my personal finance. Yeah, and breaking it down, I know you um, often break down like your career goals each month and yeah. your financial goals, and um, I know you do that on your Instagram page, but that's a really good way to do it because a lot of the financial milestones we set for ourselves can seem really huge unless we break it down to a, a monthly or fortnightly or even a weekly um, plan and how we're going to tick this off each each time. Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, it, it takes away that whole um, – you know, that daunting feeling of, oh, I've set myself this massive goal, but if I'm breaking it down to smaller bite-sized chunks, I feel like this is more achievable. Um, mm. And then it gives you, you know, it allows you to have those small wins. Like I'm I'm big on small wins. Yay. Yeah. I say 50 <laughs> bucks on my car insurance. Yes. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> Did you have any friends or family that were able to support you while you were going through this process of paying off debt and then like saving up for your first deposit and all of that? Because I, I'm sure it can be quite lonely doing all of this when potentially your friends are not having to do all of this. Yeah, it was probably my biggest struggle. Um, the friends that I made outside of that shared home were, you know, um, children that were living at home or not sorry not children adults that were living at home teenage 18 19 year olds like children um no they so i i i don't know i think i i i tend uh, i resonated more with the other international students that came to australia 
with similar backgrounds mm. as myself. And so I found support in them that way because we were all doing it together. Um, it was it was funny for me. I always thought that this whole frugal mindset and this lifestyle was something that wasn't practiced broadly until I found fire. Hmm. So I, in, in hindsight, I'm like, I wish fire was like well known when I was in my 20s. Because <laughs> then I see 20 year olds on, um, you know, the fire community and they're just kicking goals. And I'm like, that's amazing. I love that. I love that. And they have that, you know, amazing community that are supporting them, you know, as much support as you can get on the social media. Um, but you, you feel that. And I didn't have that really. I had one or two friends in my, um, circle, uh, uh, that were international students that were experiencing the same thing. But other than that, I really just, I had books and things that I would search online to kind of motivate myself. But I, yeah. there wasn't like a large community or people to Mm. reflect upon. That must have been tough. And did you find anything that worked like when things came up with uni or people were inviting you out to different activities? And um, how did you sort of have those conversations? Just like, I can't really right now because this is my priority. Did you actually talk publicly about it or did you frame it in a different way? Look, I'll be honest. I was really ashamed um, because you're there, you're studying, you're with your friends and these are your peers and you, Mm. I think conversations around finance, personal finance now are more open and more transparent. Whereas back then, this is 15 years ago. Mm. um, And you like imagine myself as a, you know, an international student coming into Australia, trying to just make friends and be accepted into the community or into, into society. Um, and also being a woman of color, like you don't talk about money. It's very much a cultural nuance where you just, you don't, you don't say anything about it. Like I also understood the privilege that I had of being able to afford to come to um, a Western country to study. Um, but it was, it was difficult. Um, but I think having a really great family and parents that believed in me helped a lot um I mean they have their own ways of doing things but my yeah like just looking back at them and kind of um them being my biggest supporters allowed me to just keep focused and go ahead and then um within those circle of friends we all uh you know we would take turns we'd just say oh Mm. no we're all working or we're all studying were you studying a lot as an excuse but I was like whatever I don't have money (laughs) I don't know how many different ways I'm going to say I'm broke (laughs) yeah I guess it's a little bit easier at uni but like sort of going into that first job it can become quite difficult when people are going out for drinks after work and doing all these activities like I can imagine it's quite um, hard having those conversations about not wanting to go to a particular activity because you need to pay this off. Like, did did you find anything that worked um, for dealing with that? Yeah. So I would say that um, uh, I got really into fitness. <laughs> so I'd say, oh no, I'm on a health regime. I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm doing yoga this afternoon. Most of the times I was doing yoga because it was a priority of mine, like healthy mind, healthy body, yeah. that kind of. Thing. Um, but 
after a while, everyone just kind of got, oh, she's she's doing something healthy. She's not going to want to come along, <laughs> mm. vice versa. And I mean, I had to suck it up for like, you know, 18 months, almost two years. But it was the sacrifices that I knew that I had to do um, rather than try to keep up with the Joneses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine it's quite difficult to go through that especially even young people trying to talk about when they're saving up for their first home deposit mm. um I, I feel like that's a much more acceptable excuse not to um be going out like oh no I can't um I have to bring my lunch in or I can't go out tonight because I'm saving up for my home deposit but mm. I'm not sure um if it's I mean I wish it was but um I don't know if it's as commonly talked about like I can't go out because I'm paying off some debt yeah oh god no you couldn't say it because they just look at you like oh you have debt and for me like I remember when my best friend like my best friend who wasn't part of that international group she was Australian born and had great parents that would and had a hex she asked me like how how do you feel um about going out to these parties when you don't have money and you have this massive debt and I said well I just look at it as like a short-term sacrifice for a longer-term gain Hmm. said once I pay this off and I can afford to buy my own home like missing out on these parties don't really accumulate to much because Hmm. at the end of the day I'm going to be (laughs) debt-free and which was really nice to share that with her because obviously she didn't have that um, mindset Um, but yeah I just I I, I just had to stick to my guns um, yeah and really kind of get motivation somewhere (laughs) yeah I guess I guess you got to find that motivation within or without whatever friends or family are in the right place to support you and I know you um you also invest now in other areas outside of property and at what point did you start um going from that paying paying off debt mindset to thinking about actually investing in things and maybe some of the resources you used at the beginning yeah um well, I really, it was really word of mouth in terms of, res- uh, in terms of investing. So I was, it's funny because I said, you know, uh, you know, I was quite risk um, conscious around um, a property loan, but then I was, you know, quite open to crypto as one of my first investments um, outside of property. And this would have been early 2015. Um I had friends in the this time in the in the tech industry that were um, you know that were mining for Bitcoin, and they explained the technology, and I thought to myself, oh, this sounds like something that um, I could get into, something that I'm quite interested in. I don't really need to read any further, which was in hindsight quite stupid. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to read any further? Um, but I relied upon my circle of friends um, at that time and I got into Bitcoin, tried to understand the technology um, as well as Ethereum was another um, a coin that I took interest. I hadn't put any money in yet and I thought, look, I'll give myself uh, six months um, to actually do some research because at that time, I don't think you could really find much online Mm. Um, about cryptocurrency that was um, outside the initial coin offering. So those like platforms that um, 
that were advocating for early adoption for cryptocurrencies mm. or um, tokens. And um, I had a best friend who is big into gaming. Um, and so he got me <laughs> into it. And he thought, well, you know, you don't have to put a lot of money into this, but just, you know, if you can spare a couple of thousand or a thousand, put it in. If you lose it, then you lose it, but you never know. <laughs> I'm like, is it, this is a game to you, isn't it? He's like, no, but I, he's like, you, you'll never know until you try. Mm. So I know it's not a great mentality and I don't <laughs> want anyone to think this is what you're supposed to do. Research, research, do your own research. Um, and so I went searching for white papers on like the different types of um, coin offerings out there. And they do these, they, they would have these websites and marketing content and you'd read it and yeah it really it was really about doing your own research before you could invest into these um because it was just not known well known out there um aside from those groups um so i did actually end up investing in a couple of um coins within like that initial coin offering so quite low um and i was quite successful but i do not disclaimer I don't want people to think this is how you invest in cryptocurrency. <laughs> no, not enough to retire yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Gosh. Uh, so, uh, sometimes I guess you can be in the right place at the right time with the right sort of circle around you and sort of come across these different opportunities. And there wasn't that many resources back then, even like 2015, there wasn't, I don't know if there was any personal finance podcasts and um, especially in Australia, there weren't YouTube channels and websites in the array there are now. So um, that was like quite interesting that you got in that early. Yeah. It, and as you say, Kate, like it was pure luck um, because I had friends that were, you know, that tech savvy, that were already mining, that were gaming. They opened the doors for me. Um, and that was an investment that, um, I was quite happy to lose, um, but you know, I was successful. Um, would I do it again? Probably not, because <laughs> it could have gone the other way. And yeah. a lot of it has. Like I still, I still invest in cryptocurrency now. Um, I, I really believe in the stable coins, so your Bitcoin and your Ethereum, um, and these other tokens that are, you know added on top of that. Um, chain block um, blockchain sorry layer um, I, I don't really I don't go I guess I don't put my money there well I, I yeah I I like boring investing so now um, I guess uh, probably about two no a year ago I started investing in the um, in the stock market and I keep it very boring and simple and um, I guess that's how I found you guys yeah. because I wanted to invest in, um, you know, the stock market. I wasn't very confident in it, which is very obscure, being more confident in cryptocurrency than the stock market. And I stumbled upon your podcast as my first and obsessed with it. Thank you. <laughs> and I think I like churned through your first, like... <laughs> 30 or 40 I think and I kept commenting <laughs> on my on my um on my Instagram but I just loved everything you guys were putting out because it was so um 
so easy to digest being a newbie and mm. and I wanted those in like I wish I had that information back when I was investing yeah. in cryptocurrency um back in 2015 that you guys provide now um as well as um the investor podcast that Owen does like I love mm. that I subscribe to that um I'm not that confident to go into like you know thematics or um like small caps I'm <laughs> strictly like S&P <laughs> very boring simple um investing yeah and I think it just shows how different everyone's journey is sort of you went from paying off debt to getting your first property then there was some crypto then you came to ETFs as well <laughs> later on and just everyone really follows a different path and there's no I think sometimes people go onto Facebook forums or ask people questions and just hope they get this like set plan and answer. And it really just depends on like where you're starting from, because none of us start from the same point on our financial journeys and what you're interested in and where you want to take it. hundred percent. And I, what I found that was super helpful about your podcast was just the way that everything was broken down into chunks that I could understand. And then also um, all the nuances within investing, like, oh, make sure you have an emergency fund, make sure you have, um, you know, you, you check out the tax implications. And these are things that I wish I knew when I was investing in crypto, um, because capital gains tax for crypto, like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> that, that experience is not fun. Um, no. after, yeah. So now I've, I'm, I'm I love that there is this financial literacy um, community, this big push and it's out there with podcasters yourselves and also like the courses that you um, that you guys offer. I jumped online when I first found you um, and Owen and subscribed to um, the courses, the free courses. And that really helped me gain that confidence because I had more confidence in property and crypto rather than ETFs, which is, most people will be like, well, ETFs are easier to understand. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, well, you don't un understand. Like my mindset works backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I love that there are so many different voices and resources out there nowadays. And if people want another voice and maybe want to follow along on your journey mm. and how you set your goals each month, and I know you share a lot of resources from books to podcasts and websites that you come across, where should they head to? Yeah, so you guys can follow me on Patty on the Money at um, Instagram. Uh, I, you know, I love to share my tips and tricks. Uh, on my uh, not just my personal journey I have a family I'm a mother of one so also the cost savings that we try to um, try to do across daycare um, across uh, um, private healthcare as a family um, so yeah just insights along there if I can help anyone uh, I'm, I'm over the moon um, but yeah that's Wonderful. Well, I'll make sure to include that in the show notes and in the description. And Patty, just thank you so much for coming on today. We're recording on a Sunday. So thank you for taking your time out and uh, sharing your journey a little bit with our listeners. Thanks so much, Kate. Love it. It's been a fantastic experience. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. 
If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at risk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.